0: Hey everyone. Happy holidays. Happy new year. We're back again with another holiday chat call for our 2022 series. And this time we got Robert with us. How are you today, Robert? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What, uh, what do you want to talk about today? I got a few questions about acquisitions.
1: Um I'm a 25 year plus business owner. Okay. Um, never bought a business. Never borrowed any money. I've been fortunate enough. I take that back in 2009, I took out a $50,000 line of credit with my bank and I never even had to use it. Okay. So I did everything organically. I had a heart attack two years ago and almost a year recovering, which hurts my business. I had, which hurt my credit, which which hurt everything. And so as I recovered, I just knew I didn't have another 25 years to try to build it. And Somehow, somewhere, the acquisition um, strategy got put in my head, so I started researching and buying books and signing up for everybody's Facebook challenge and coaching program and YouTube video, and somehow that mix, I came across you uh, amongst everybody else, and um, it became an idea that I wanted to pursue. It made sense. You know, why start from scratch? You got people that want to sell their business, one, two, five million, however many Um, you know that 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 intrigued me, and I already had the business skills because I ran a business for twenty something years. But this acquisition is really new to me. Fast forward, this was two years ago. Okay, I've done thirty. I've done or signed thirty LOIs, so I'm able to I'm able to find deals. Deal flow is not is not an issue. Um, I use a combination of direct approach, as well as going to the listing sites. Pros and cons. Pros and cons to both, but. Finding deals. And I'm right now I'm, I'm sticking to manufacturing and advertising, which sounds crazy, but I have an ad agency. That's my, my day business marketing firm. Okay. And I, and I was told if I want to go into the SBA route, they're traditionally like to see you in an industry that you're familiar with, which
0: is okay. of
1: okay. So, um, but I like manufacturing. I have done quite a few campaigns and manufacturers over 25 years and I understand some of their, um, challenges plus they're asset rich the the Thank manufacturers you. I've talked to that have two to five million dollar businesses that don't do any advertising they have all this equipment and inventory and some of them they own their own buildings and I'm like oh wow that's LBO the leveraged buyout strategy you know in a sense um so like I said I had about 30 LOIs that I've signed um my
0: biggest challenge how many of those deals did you do? None. None. Okay. So you, right. you found deals. You you submitted 30 LOIs. Did you arrive? Oh, at- take that.
1: Let me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I submitted 30 LOIs. I had seven of them accepted and signed.
0: Seven of them agreed to the terms. Okay. Yes. And, but then you did. weren't, but then you weren't able to I couldn't get the financing. Yeah. Okay. So I would go back to the
1: drawing board, and what I'm doing now is deferred down payments and i got three of those willing to do that so what the reason i want to do that is because that gives me ownership of the business now i can actually borrow against the assets because i own the business um other than that nobody's going to loan me a money till i own it but what i am able to get is quotes i have quite a few lenders that i work with that i send them the financials i send them information and they'll say okay we'll give you x based on the financials now they won't technically give it to me till I own the business, but at least I know how much I'll get, if that makes sense.
0: So uh, I'm a little bit confused because um, all the time people get approved for financing based on the the business that they're going to buy. Mm-hmm. When you're saying I can't get financing until I own the business, can you, can you tell me what kind of lenders you're talking to? Yeah,
1: these would be um, asset-based lenders, revenue-based lenders, because, uh, because remember, I'm using the assets of the business to borrow against, but they can't, they won't give it to me because I don't own the business yet, right? But I just recently found a few that at least give me a quote saying, because this best business makes X, you know, we'll give you seventy percent of it, or eighty percent. At least they're kind of making a commitment. And then I figure once I sign and take over, I'll be able to get that money. Or am I missing
0: something? So, so you're trying to you're trying to do these deals. And are you got, you're not putting some of your own money down. Is that it?
1: Yeah, that's, that's the goal um, is to do it with none of my own money. And I, and I just saw your video the other day about the, the gurus teaching and I know who that guy is too. I get his emails, how to make 10 million, not using your own money. Um, The, the, the issue I have with that is. I can see how it can be done, but it's not as easy as they make it sound. You can get an investor, you can get a sponsor. You're not finna just call somebody out of the blue who don't know you would give you a hundred grand. That's, yeah. you know what I mean? Now that might fall under no money down because they're gonna cover the down payment, but who's gonna do that?
0: Well, and and I mean, this is this is the thing is is because I am sure that out there somewhere is a deal that happens the way they say you can do deals. there was somebody did that but what they what these guys will then do is hold that up as an example of something anyone can do that's how they got me as as you as you've learned (laughs) as you've learned the execution is the the hard part
1: that's how they got me man and i'm like you have to really really find they call them a motivated seller i call them a desperate seller you gotta really really find somebody really desperate to do some of this stuff and that and I had to find out the hard way. They're not just waiting for you to contact them. And, oh, go oh, sure, I'll accept that deal. No. You know, I'm lucky to have the ones that I do have where they're willing to do a deferred down payment. That's huge to me because once I figure out or get the quotes back, and I'm still in the process of getting these quotes back to these three lenders on what they're going to give me for the inventory, the cash flow, uh, you know, some of the assets, all that goes towards the down payment
0: the the here it, it, have you done a cash flow forecast for any of these deals on what this will look like after you make the acquisition because you're gonna have you're obviously going to owe money to these asset base lenders and then you're also right. going to have a big seller note right to to these guys as well right right Have, have you figured that out because the uh, I have seen people manage to band aid these things together in such a way that they can do the deal but the, then the once they own the business, once they own the business, then there's no money in it for them because of all the debt service, which is often at, at higher interest rates. Right. So, the, so yeah. the payments are quite large, and and the amortizations tend to be short because everyone sees it as a hot potato. They want to get their money out as fast as they can, mm-hmm. and that puts all that pressure on you to to basically you end up working for those financiers. Your your all the cash flow goes to them. I'm wondering if you've done the math on these just to see how it's going to work.
1: Yeah. And I actually, it was one of your videos that I saw that got me to think about that. Um, so yeah, the the three that I'm working on now I have, and it still cash flows positively, um, you know? Um, so that, that did work out.
0: But have you taken everything into account, including taxes and capital expenditures and all the other things that tend to get added back when they show you the, the quote-unquote cash flow, the SDE or the EBITDA, mm-hmm. because that's the stuff that people often they they forget about.
1: No, I didn't factor taxes in there.
0: Yeah, and okay. so, it, it, so um, I'd like I'd like to I'd like to rewind to, to your motivation. Can we talk okay. a little bit about that? Because you you're in the advertising agency business, you said. Yeah. Okay. And the what is the problem with your business? It's too small? Yeah,
1: um, It's small. And the fact that I've been doing this twenty plus years, maybe the the passion not like it used to be. maybe I'm looking for a different challenge. I don't know. I'm not ruling it out because again, what I've been taught about SBAs, <clears throat> loans, is they're much likely to give me an SBA loan if I'm on an acquire or a merge with another advertising agency? Because that's my background.
0: If, if you're already in business and you want to grow by acquiring a similar kind of business, then a lot of these lenders will look at it as an expansion versus a purchase. And, and it can change the rules a little bit and make it easier for you. So so let me ask you this. If you doubled the size of your agency, would, would that be then exciting and achieve your other goals
1: possible i mean the ultimate end game is the pass on generational wealth i mean i do okay now but i don't i don't have 20 30 40 million dollars leave my kids you know i don't have you know like i said i did okay and the uh my health issues hit right when covid hit i got released out of the hospital a week before covid shut the hospitals down where right? you couldn't even go visit people yeah, And we all know the destruction that came with COVID. So I managed to get back in the business in less than nine months. I'm back at six figures. But like I said, that's, I don't know if I, I just think an acquisition is a better model. Uh, okay. I, obviously there's challenges, but I just, I just like that model. And I went for it and I'm going for it.
0: So would, would you know of other people that have businesses similar to yours that you might want to acquire, like adding their business to your business would would give it the size and help it unless I'm not talking about the idea of having $20 million. I'm talking about growing a business with a bigger and bigger cash flow. Are there other people out there that you know of that are kind of like your business?
1: Yeah. The challenge is, and maybe you can help me with this, is me thinking about the leverage buyout strategy, a lot of ad agencies. They're not a a lot of assets. We don't need a lot. I mean, there's no inventory, there's no equipment. Um, You may have some accounts receivables if you have, you know, clients paying you every month, but I didn't, I was different. I got my money up front. You know, I I didn't do work and then wait 30, 60 days to get paid,
0: Hmm. you know,
1: you know, um, so they're, they're not asset heavy, you know, which.
0: What would most of these sellers be looking for though? What Why? What sort of motivation would these sellers have?
1: Well, if you look, if you go by the listing sites, just retirement, similar to me, but mm-hmm. they, you know, uh, retirement, uh, they want to move on or something else and they got their agencies up for sale. What I was trying to do is something different. I mean, I've been doing this 25 years. I mean, why not? See, and I'm going to apply to advertising whichever company I acquire because that's what I do, and they still have to do some type of advertising, even if I buy a let's say there's a manufacturing firm that I have an LOI signed with in Texas. they still need to advertise so i'm still going to do use my advertising skills.
0: Okay, so but hang on, hang on here. I'm going down to a certain track of, of of thought here. You said that you've already got your business built up to where you're earning six figures already after being right. in the hospital. So so you rebounded. You right. and you're obviously you're good at sales and finding customers and doing work right. for them, and they're happy and they stick around. They want to keep doing business with you. Right. So if you if you, the problem you're having with acquiring a manufacturing business is that you're trying to figure out how to do it without that down payment. But if you doubled the size of your advertising business, and then a year and a half from now, you had $150,000 of cash in the bank, that would then remove a lot of these problems that you're facing, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. And also my credit because I understand there's a certain credit score you need to get an SBA loan. That would remove a lot of my, you know, which I'm working. My credit score is up 100 points in January.
0: Okay. So it's,
1: it's getting there. I understand the, the, the power right. of credit. That that would help some too.
0: So you so the, ta- the if you grew your advertising business and you started earning more money, the time would then give you time to accumulate cash for down payment, and it would help your credit score uh, repair itself as time goes by. These right, right. Problems get older and older, and they don't affect you as much, Right, right. Okay. So, so instead of trying to figure out a, a trick or a strategy to make a really unlikely improbable outcome occur, why don't we build a path based on things that we have much more control over that we can build a real plan on. And so, and so I I think like if I was in your position and this was my goal, I want to buy a manufacturer. I need to get a down payment in order to remove all the hurdles that I'm getting involved that, that are being presented to me because of bank financing and everything. Well, how do we get the down payment? Well, you're already in business. So you this is the best lever you have to, to push on to create the down payment is to be doing more business right okay. so now so now let's back up again one more step how do we increase the size of your advertising business you 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 talk you went straight to talking about how advertising companies have very little in the way of assets to leverage as far as tangible things right that's a problem that any buyer would face trying to buy a business like that so someone who's trying to sell a business like that that then becomes a problem for them the the people who might wanna step up and buy their business are gonna have a harder time because the tangible assets aren't there. That that is something you can use to your advantage. So for example, if someone out there had an advertising agency and they were serving, you know, 25 clients or something, right? And they wanna retire, uh, presumably they have accumulated some savings or investments over the course of their lifespan in their business right if you can create a proposal to them where they can turn that business into an income stream for themselves and i've done videos about this before i've actually worked on deals like this where you you do a deal where you create a cash flow that they can live on for 6 or 10 years and then they don't have to dip into their investments right so so the way i like to look at it is this because an advertising agency a lot of the time you've got a, uh, a superhero character in that business, right? And, and like people are doing business with you because they like you and they know that you know what you're doing. Right. right? And you've delivered results for people. Right. And, and it's the same with those other people whose businesses you might wanna buy. And so their customers are gonna be like, okay, well, down, there's a new guy here, right? So the difficulty, if you went and gave that person a pile of money for their ad agency, how do you know all the customers will convert? Right, right. That that's the biggest risk, right? Right. Again, the people who own those businesses know that risk exists. So the, the way I like to think about it is we, we want to create a deal so that you only end up paying for the clients that stick with you that are actually transferred over in a purchase. And the way that you conceptualize that is think about it like a commissioned salesperson. So this business owner over here has accumulated, you know, two dozen, 30 clients over the last little while, you're going to take over his business. He's going to bring those customers to you and you're going to pay him as though he was the salesperson that went out and got them all for you. And you might say, I'll give you a percentage of everything I build these guys over the next 10 years or seven years or whatever it is you negotiate. And so now, now there's no risk for you. Right. And there's, and there's no need for having a lot of money. And there's no need to go borrow money at the bank. Is that guy going to accept that kind of offer from anyone? No, because the very first fear he's going to have is that you're going to fumble the, fumble the ball. Mm-hmm. But because you're already in the industry, you can show them the track record you have. Right. So, so you're the only kind of buyer who could present that sort of deal. How would I
1: approach someone like that? Do I? Let's say I go to Biz Buy Sell and I, and I type in ad advertising agencies and. I see, you know, there's a dozen or so for sale. <clears throat> How do I even approach them with this type of offer? I,
0: I don't know if I would even go looking in a marketplace like that, because if those people have been to business brokers, they're, they're probably um, they've probably been told the idea that their business is worth a certain amount of money and they're right. expecting someone to go get an SBA loan for it. Okay. Right? So, so the way to do this is to get a list whether you use the yellow pages or what have you, or Google and and build your own list. I can get
1: a list easy. I got software that can do that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Build a list of, of businesses that would be similar to yours and then start approaching those people saying, you know, are you interested in looking at a retirement program? I run a program for, for client acquisition that can lead to residual income for you. Passive income, you know, use the buzzwords, Right. But, but the whole idea that you're trying to say to them is that if you're ready to exit this industry, whether it's someone who wants to retire, or maybe it's just somebody who's never been as successful as you, who, you know it's kind of marginal. they They work really hard, but they've only ever earned forty or fifty thousand. And they say, you know what? job market's good. Maybe I should jump ship and go get a job. they get they get a letter or a phone call from you saying they can turn their client base into passive income might be attractive even to a person who's only, you know, 35. Not not necessarily someone retiring, right? Okay. And so you start talking with these people and when the when they talk back when they respond to you, you work on that relationship and create some sort of presentation, a PowerPoint deck or what have you, where you talk about your background, your history, how you've been successful, what kind of clients you serve, you know, what your track record has been. So that if they're going to hand clients over to you and introduce you to them in exchange for some kind of uh, cut from whatever business you're doing with those people, that they can trust that you are a capable operator, right? Okay. So, so this deck is going to be presenting you and your strength and your experience. And if you've been in this business for decades, then obviously like you can show that you have this track record, right? Um, and then you, And then you have to explain how does this work? You know, how do they get paid? Is it, you know, uh, based on a percentage of business that you do with the client and it's calculated every quarter after the, you know, invoices are paid and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So what would they expect? So then you, you can create a, you know, fictitious scenario. You know, let's say your business does half a million in sales and it represents this number of clients and I start managing those accounts. And then this is the kind of money that you would see over the course of the next few years. And so under that scenario, you're growing not by fighting in the trenches for one new account after another. Right. Eating with the other people. You're actually finding people who are ready to just hand over their book of business in exchange for some kind of stream of payments going forward.
1: Okay. And does that, and I want to double back to something you, you said at first, me being in the industry already, banks will look at it like an expansion loan. Can you expound on that? If I had to go to a bank,
0: yeah, because because one of the, one of the reasons you can't get a bank loan on a no money deal is because the banker wants to see something called an opening balance sheet. The opening balance sheet is what the business looks like. The balance sheet looks like on the day you take over the business. Okay. So if you're if you're buying uh, just use round figures to illustrate for everyone, especially people who are just listening. Um, if you buy a business for $100,000 and you put 25,000 down and you borrow 75,000 then on that balance sheet on one side you're going to have the assets and you're going to have like all the inventory and equipment etc and then and then the balance adding up to 100 grand is going to be the goodwill. So the t- assets will total 100 grand. And on the other side of the balance sheet, you're gonna have 25,000 of equity and 75,000 of debt. So if you, do, if, if you do the ratio between the debt and the equity, you've got $3 of debt for every $1 of equity. That's a three to one debt to equity ratio. Bankers look at that ratio, that's how they measure measure risk. So if you borrow money against a company's equipment to get a down payment and then you get the seller to finance the balance, then you have 100% equity or one sorry, 100% debt. That's an infinite to zero debt to equity ratio, I guess. It would be an error on a calculator, right? And, that, and that's why the banks won't do them because you have nothing to lose. The bank's at maximum risk. The buyer actually has nothing to lose. So But if you do an expansion, then what, they don't look at the opening balance sheet of the business you're acquiring. They look at the balance sheet of your business the day after the acquisition. So if your business has a strong balance sheet with very little debt and lots of equity, and then you acquire the other business, the equity on your balance sheet to begin with could be enough to make that debt to equity hurdle.
1: And what would equity be in my, in my agency? Cause I don't, I don't have any debt.
0: Then then the question would be what kind of assets are in there because the entire uh, debt and equity side of your balance sheet would be equity. So you're describing a very strong balance sheet company, right? Mm-hmm. So, but this, the whole debt to equity thing is just one piece of the puzzle. Okay. The other pieces are, who are you? Do you have an industry experience? You know, what is your credit score? Well, like, are there customer concentration risks? Like the, the banker goes through this whole array of uh, of qualifying questions to figure out if it makes sense to do the deal or not. But this debt to equity ratio requirement is the is the the one thing that kicks out all no money deals. Because if you don't have any equity, then then the debt to equity ratio can't work because it won't be it, it won't be calculable, right? Right. right. If you have investors, like people will say, "Oh, I'm going to get some investors." Well, that's great. If you, if they're putting in equity, if they're buying shares, then you will have some amount of equity. But a lot of banks are going to say, "Okay, so you have investor equity, but do you have any of your own?" they, they will then, you know, sort of split hairs on that too, the, based on what they know. I mean, banks understand risk in business. Yeah, they, they they make loans, and they have people go under all the time, and they right spend time and effort analyzing the people that go under because they're trying to avoid those mistakes. Right. They don't, they don't want to make bad loans. So if you are going to grow as an expansion, then the balance sheet of the company you already have, like uh, I have, I have clients, there's, there's people in the business buyer adventure group coaching program who have businesses and they've got 100% financing offers from banks to go and buy other companies because their current business has very little debt. And that's what I'm talking, that's an example of what I'm talking about. Okay. So that would be the expansion route. <clears throat> Almost seems like
1: the best advice is to approach other agencies and see if they want to sell and then buy their current client list and then give them percentage for those to transfer over. Yeah, did I understand that right? Okay.
0: Yeah, because then you don't need, you know, you don't need necessarily to have a down payment. Now it's whatever right. you could negotiate, and and if you negotiate a certain percentage uh, of the sales that you generate from their clients, well, some people might want some kind of down payment. But there's 101 ways to split that hair too. So, for example, you could say, okay, well, you want a down payment? I'll give you, you know, a fifty thousand dollar advance towards those royalties. Which is different than a down payment, right? Because what that means is that you give them fifty grand, but then as you earn money from those clients, instead of giving them the money, you're you you you're earning back your fifty grand before you start writing them a check. That would be one example.
1: Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! You you lost me. Okay. So I say, so I say, I'll give you a fifty thousand dollars advance against sales,
0: right? Ad, advance against the money you owe them. Okay. So, so let me give, let me give you an example with numbers. So let's say okay. there's a, well, there's one client worth a hundred grand a year. And you propose that if you take over that client, you're going to give the person 10% of your billings to that client. Okay. So you will owe them 10 grand a year. Right. 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 Okay. Right. But they say, no, if I'm going to sell my business to you, I want some kind of money down. Right. So there's there's two ways. There's a bunch of different ways to do that. One way would be to give them a down payment, which means you've given them money to, you know, okay, then I'll give you some money. I'll give you. A right, 50, right. Right. Another way to do it is to say, oh, I'll give you an advance against those payments. This is how, this is how book publishers work. They give an okay. author, they give In an advance. author an advance against right. the royalties.
1: Or the music industry. They'll give artists. Or the music, yeah,
0: sure. Okay. And, and that would be the same thing as you say, well, I'll give you an advance against. But them. that's still
1: money out of my pocket because I got to give them the money.
0: Right. So. Okay. So, but it means that for the next little while after that, you won't be giving them money. You'll be able to accumulate it back.
1: Okay. To get my 50 grand back. Okay. Right. Or, or whatever it is. Okay.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's all these different levers that you can, that you can use in the negotiation. The, it, you know. If somebody comes back to you and says, I like your deal, but I need this. Well, to me, that's halfway to winning because mm-hmm. they haven't just said no.
1: Right. You know, right.
0: You know, go kick rocks. No, like, like, no, they, I, they're yeah, actually talking it. to you. Right.
1: I get that with the LOIs I set out. Some people in the offer, some people accept it and some people don't, you
0: know? Yeah. So if you, if you, if you grow the size of the ad business so that your profits start to increase, then you're going to be able to accumulate some cash, which you could then use to, to then start making more advances to keep growing that ad agency. And then, and now you've got a decision to make, right? If you grow the ad agency, if you double or triple the size of the agency, you could then use that agency as your cash cow to generate money for a down payment on another business, mm-hmm. or you've now built that business into something that's bigger and more marketable. You could sell the agency. And if you, if you don't have a customer concentration problem, it's going to be easier to sell. And if you can demonstrate to buyers that the goodwill resides with the company rather than you, it'll be more sellable. Right. 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 That's the biggest problem with a business like this is, is where does the goodwill reside?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely buying me. Um, you know, a lot of times one of my client <clears throat> acquisition strategies is I speak, I speak at a lot of events and I teach marketing. So obviously they hear me speak and, oh, we want to hire you to help us. Yeah. You know, so overall it's not helping me because that's still relying on me because I'm the one they heard speak. I'm the owner. I'm the you know, everything. So <clears throat> okay. So I got some stuff to, to consider. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I was approaching burnout when I still have my days. Like, do I want to keep doing this? Um, You know, that's a whole other different subject, the burnout part of it. Just being bored and tired. and You know, but
0: are there, what is it just that you've been doing the same sort of things over and over? Oh, and so yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: Since
0: 2001.
1: Actually, before 2001, I was freelance doing it. And then I officially became a corporation in 2001. So every day, for 20 plus years, this is what I've been doing.
0: Yeah. And this is the number one reason why people sell, a, put a small business up for sale is the burnout and fatigue. Yeah. Um
1: You know, but do I, do I got another 12, 18 bucks? Probably I could, I could, I could survive and and put my head down and stay focused and do it. Uh, you know, but these acquisitions kind of got me in and that's, I, I got construction companies and I don't know. I just got good at writing LOIs and getting them accepted. <laughs> I just, I just, I just, in a short period of time, know how to do deal structures. I got a fifty million dollar deal on the table right now with a construction company in California. I don't have a clue on how I'm gonna get fifty million dollars.
0: They the don't, purchase, that's they the don't know,
1: they don't know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do seven million in profits after everything's paid. And and it's the kids. There are four kids that parents and grandparents started this business. They don't want it. I, which I get. That's not their. Twenty-five year old's dream to run a construction company, you know. They, you know, so I get that. So they want to sell it. We agreed on the price. We agreed on the deal structure. Um, like I said, we're at the LOI stage now. And
0: so, when you say they agreed on the deal structure, what did you present to them?
1: They're going to get twenty million down, and then the rest is is paid out over ten years.
0: And the the idea is that. You're going to get the 20 million by borrowing against the equipment in the business,
1: the equipment, the inventory, the account receivable. They're going to leave 3 million cash in the bank.
0: Does your Um, LOI say that?
1: Yeah, all that's in the LOI.
0: So the LOI says that you're going to borrow against the equipment to get the down payment. They know that you're not putting Uh, money in that you're borrowing.
1: what's, What's in the LOI is I'll be doing asset based lending. I never specified which asset is going to give me the money, I just said there'll be partial asset based lending. Okay. So that's in there. And their lawyer looked at it and he, you know, we he had to reword some stuff. Essentially it was the same thing. But in the LOI it says asset based lending. Okay. I because I don't know, I don't know if it's going to be the equipment, if it's going to be inventory, if it's going to be the account receivable, which assets, you know, I might use quite a few of them.
0: So so this is this is my question is do they understand that their note is going to be subordinated to other people's notes?
1: I don't know, but I'm not going to bring that up. Is that my job to bring that up?
0: Well, if they got attorneys. If, if, they have,
1: they have, listen, accounts.
0: they're going to find out on closing day because I've, I've seen people do this before mm-hmm. where they don't actively point out I am borrowing money. You are going your note will be in second position. And then when you get to closing table and there there they all these like documents showing that their note is subordinated to all these other loans, they go, What is this? We thought we'd be in first position. And the deal doesn't close.
1: Okay, but okay, let me see how can I say this. I can't get the asset finance until I own the business. So there's no way they're gonna know that before we close.
0: Then where's the money? Going to be sense. On clo- where's the money gonna be on closing day? You're gonna have a closing it, day I, without the I got money. a defer
1: right. I got a deferred down payment. They're willing to wait seven days after I close to pay them. That gives me time to borrow against the assets because it's a deferred down payment. So the day we close, they don't get anybody. But I have to pay them within seven days, 10 days, or whatever we agree on, or the deal doesn't close. And in that time, because I have ownership, now I can borrow against the assets. Now, what's the downside to that? That is something I got from these gurus. You do a deferred down payment and get them to agree, and they all sign off on it. This is in my LOI. They all sign off of it. Some of them are different. Some are seven days. One guy's giving me 21 days. Mm -hmm. But... They all signed off and said, Hey, we'll close. You promise to pay us with, you know, within seven days, 10 days, or we get the business back or the business doesn't close whatever. So what's the downside to that?
0: Well, there's no downside for you. I just don't quite think the other party really understands what they've agreed to, but before closing day, they certainly will. And so like, most of the it's, most of the significant seller notes I've seen done, the lawyers for the sellers will usually press for like a general security agreement and for specific liens if there's some major equipment pieces there, and I just think that they, they don't quite understand what they've agreed to in your in the LOI.
1: Okay, so even because these three particular deals, they have a broker. So the broker explained to them, like, "Hey, there's a closing. You're gonna get your money seven days after you guys close," and they sign the LOI. Like, I don't understand why they wouldn't
0: understand that. The, you see, the value of their note will be reduced to nothing because because if you take over the business and you start operating it and you fail, then and they want to come after you, then. They can't seize the equipment and the business because of all those other liens that are improved. right
1: that have been pledged to somebody somebody else. Okay, I get that. Right, the equipment, but they get the business back.
0: Yeah, well, I, 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 I would just, <laughs> I would be concerned that they don't quite understand what they've agreed to.
1: Like, really, even because, with broker- because
0: I've seen I've seen this before, where where people will sign things. And then as they work through the deal and as they, the worst case I ever saw was people got to the closing table and said, what you mean? You mean there's another bank? And then they walked away. <clears throat> like you, you have to be very transparent, very transparent that this whole idea that you can use tactics to try to like be sneaky and get things around on people. See, I don't
1: think, and I don't think I'm doing that because that's in the LOI. It's saying that it's deferred. They have brokers and then they're sending it to their attorneys. And sometimes they're coming back rewriting, you know, or adding stuff. One guy wanted to add a, a personal guarantee. One another guy. Um, so
0: let, let me be, let me give you a real life scenario. Okay. Okay. So it was a driving school. So, so, A client of mine owned a driving school. They had like six locations and someone approached me to sell their driving school. And it was in a city that this guy was not in. And I thought, this is perfect. I'm going to list this driving school and I'm going to sell it to that guy because he's not in that community. Right. Perfect expansion for him. Right. So he took a look at the business and they had a couple of cars that were relatively new and they had like this 0% financing dealer incentive financing. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was like, Oh, that financing's at 0%. That's really great. Uh, But the notes were not transferable. Okay. And one of them had like two years left on it. another one had like a year and a half left on it. So we wrote up the deal that um, he would take over those notes by assuming the payments on them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so you tell me what that means. What does it mean when someone says they're going to assume the payments?
1: They're they're responsible for making the payments.
0: Right. So the seller agreed to that LOI. On closing day, the seller was like, well, where are you going to, where's the documentation for you to take over those loans? And I was the broker. I said, well, actually what the offer said was he was going to assume the payments, which means every month he's going to give you the money so that the bank can pull it out of your account. And she said, so my name's still on those notes. I said, yeah, that's what you agreed to. And she said, well, I'm not gonna have my name on a debt if he's servicing it and I don't have the cars anymore and I don't have the business. That's crazy. I would never agree to that. Okay. Okay. So
1: I think- And
0: and so what happened was it didn't close. Now he was in a, he was in business and he had a substantially good sized business. And so he just found the money another way. And we, we called, we got everyone together the next day and he said, this is what I'm going to do. And he said, I can do this, this, and this, and I will pay off those loans within 30 days. And so, and the lawyer made up a thing that said he promised to pay them off within 30 days and then they closed. Okay, like that, that kind of stuff really happens.
1: So so I'm thinking the lesson is to be very clear that they understand what they're getting into. Yeah. Before before you get to the closing table that they understand.
0: Because the very at the most basic level of contract law and I'm not an attorney or a lawyer, but I've been I've been using contracts my whole life. The contract is a representation of the understanding between two parties. Okay? okay. Which, which means the two people have to be fully engaged and aware of what is happening and then the documentation represents that agreement. When you When you put something in front of somebody with language that they may not fully understand the same way you do, the contract no longer represents the understanding.
1: But that would still be more in my favor if they had a a broker look at it and their lawyer look at it and they still signed it because those okay. people would have explained it to them.
0: And then on closing day, if they refuse to close, what are you going to do? You're going to sue them.
1: They're not, not wasting a trip.
0: Not only, I, but then you. What about your attorney's time, your accountant's time? Like well, I could
1: put a I could put a breakup clause in there.
0: All all of the. All, it, it's not, that's a, that's it's not stuff. It's not free to go down this road, right? Okay. It, it costs money to 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 be interacting with your professionals, to be doing due diligence, to all this stuff. And so, it's it's this is a collaborative process. You and the seller will work together to do something very hard, which is the sale of a business as a going concern. And so it's got to be full transparency, full openness, full communication. Both of you have to understand exactly what's happening all the time. Like from the seller's point of view in this construction company that you mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they just leverage up all the stuff? Why wouldn't they just borrow from an asset-based lender and take the money home with them? Like then,
1: Because they, then they would have to run the business. They don't want to have anything to do with the business. They're 23, 25, 28, and 30. They don't want to have anything to do with the business, and if somebody's going to give them fifty million dollars to split, that's what they want to do.
0: Right. So, but in your position right now, as an outsider, you're having to go to asset-based lenders, which are going to high, charge higher interest rates. Correct.
1: Yeah, they can. But I think this seven million in profits, I should be able to to cover the spread.
0: Okay. And so, do you know how to run this business?
1: No, I'm not going to run it. I'm going to have a, a management people with construction experience run it.
0: Are those people already in the business? One is. Yeah.
1: One's, one's staying.
0: So if the people that own it today, as the current owners, if they went to the bank and tried to leverage up the company against their equipment, they would have access to financing at a lot cheaper rate. Right. Right. And and then the the value of the equity, the value of the shares will be lower because the, the business would have this debt in it, right?
1: Yeah, but I don't think they're gonna do that because they don't want it, they don't want the business. It's not like they're trying to find finance. Yeah,
0: Here hear me out, hear me out. Okay, so they, they could leverage up the business on their own, yeah, right, take the money out, and now the shares are worth less, and then they could just Seller finance it to someone who knows construction and take the money over 10 years.
1: Yeah. But they, they don't know. I don't know construction. I have three people on my advisory board with 50 plus years of construction experience. I personally don't. So any industry I've been taught, any industry I go into on my board has to be people who have that in experience. I don't, that's the only way I'll go into an industry. I don't know anything about is I'll have people on my team with the
0: construction experience. So your neck is on the line and and you're putting yourself in that risk position based on the advice you're getting from someone from your advisory board rather than having your own personal knowledge of a specific. Well, industry. if that's
1: the case, if that's the case, <clears throat> nobody could cross industries because how would you know something else?
0: So you, you're going you to have you just you just work in a new industry and learn it.
1: Why would I do that when I could put somebody on my team that's been doing it 30 years? You know how long it would take me to learn construction?
0: Yeah. Now, that's the, b- the whole point. You see, you see, construction, No, no,
1: no I, I we disagree because Warren Buffett owns 80 different companies. Okay. He yeah, doesn't run and have knowledge and all those Right, it, You put people in the right place.
0: So what's the book look like for this for this construction business? How much, how many contracts do they have signed for the next two years? They
1: got two billion dollars worth of contracts signed with the B. Wow, I got okay. balance sheets, I got profit and loss statements, I got financials, I got tax returns, I got all this stuff, and then I got my people who do my due diligence, you know, um, looking at it. And so, again, like I said, I never go into. And then my industry is advertising. I'd be a fool of going to go into transportation, trucking, manufacturing, construction, you name it because I don't have enough experience. So I partner and team with people who do have the experience. That's how I'm able to even get to the table to talk to these guys selling their business. Cause if I just told them, Hey, I've been at owning an ad agency in Chicago for mm-hmm. the last 25 years. Okay. Well, what the heck do you know about construction? We would never get to the second top.
0: So, when I... so the, so the sellers believe that your advisors are part of the buying group that you're buying this. They table? are,
1: they're on my advisory board.
0: So they're your partners?
1: Yeah, I guess you could say that. They're on my advisory board. And I can legally use their names and say, okay, here's my team. X with 25 years experience in construction. This guy has 30 years of construction management. This guy has 25 years of residential construction. They're on my, they're on my advisory board, they're my partners.
0: So are, are they contributing to the deal financially?
1: No, they don't have to because I plan on using leverage buyouts and not even using any of my
0: own money. Okay, I listen. <laughs> I I I would love for you to come back on after you do the deal and explain how it goes. Like
1: I, I'd love to do that too. So you know, uh, and that's why we're having this conversation is because. You, know, you gave me some some clarity with the ad agencies to kind of stick with that approach, at least for another mm. year or two to grow it, and then I don't solve a lot of the other issues. Um, but part of the, the other issue is I just like doing these deals. I just like seeing if I can get an LOI, put some kind of deal structure together that I think I could do and have another side, okay, yeah, I'll sign it. The art of the deal, as Donald Trump would say. <laughs> I get it now, you you listen to these billionaires and they say it's not about the money, Is the money just how you keep score. I just wanna see if I can pull it off. I'm not hurting for money. You know what I'm saying? I just just wanna see if I can pull it off. I'm not gonna run it. There's gonna be a management in place. Um, You know, my goal is just keep buying businesses kind of like a private equity type thing. I don't wanna run these companies. And so far I've gotten part of the puzzle down I can get people to the table I can get them to agree I can get these LOI signed you know and I like the deferred down payment now you really you really open my eyes up as far as really making sure they understand that hey when we sign these papers on closing day no money's been wired to you I'm not handing you a check you're going to get that day seven or day 10 or day 30 whatever we agree upon so that's something I'm definitely taking from this meeting is to get crystal clear that they know
0: yeah.
1: that's what's going to happen. And yeah. to my knowledge, I think they know that now. But, you know, because the brokers are come back to me and they're like, okay, so they're not going to get, you know, they you you want this amount of time to pay them? I'm like, yes. So he's explaining that to them, and then they're going ahead and still signing um, the, the LOI. But then sometimes their attorney will get involved and say, okay, well, what's the collateral? What's the you know, if you don't make the payment, you know, what I mean, sometimes that comes back to me too. Or when you put something up in escrow, will you do this, will you do that? So to me, that's showing me that somebody on their end, professional, is explaining it to them. So they know. You know, I could be wrong, but if all that's taking place, they have professionals advising them and they're still coming ahead with it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, like, and
1: I love nothing more than the 60 days from now. I'll be like, David, set the call up. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I,
0: listen, it, as long as it's going to work for you, because because doing the deal and getting to day one is one thing. Mm-hmm. Getting to day 100 and 200 and 300, and, you know, making it work.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the other the- side of things. And then that's why I buy established businesses. These aren't startups, so they have cash flow coming in. I mean, doing this twenty-five years with all the businesses I looked at, they're 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 in business. They're not startups, so their income is coming in regularly, and it's been coming in. Um, I mean, of course, anything can happen in business, but I don't see any reason it would stop because I took it over. If I'm doing the same exact things they were doing, but they're all businesses, at risk. I mean, that's that's just. life we live in, all business is a risk, whether you start one or buy one, but there's more of a risk if you start it up because there's no cash flow, there's no clients, there's no goodwill. There's no, you don't have anything. If a business has been around for 25 years to me, and you look at everything, there's a good chance they're going to be around next year.
0: Well, I mean, the difficulty with a construction company, and it sounds like these guys do big projects, is that in my experience, it's hard for a company like that to develop any amount of goodwill that allows them to get superior margins because mm-hmm. all the work they do is tendered. So they have to submit bids for everything, right? Yeah. And so so even if it is one of the, you know, a, a company big enough to do a certain kind of project, they, they still have to bid every job. And so um, a lot of the times those companies... Uh it really it depends on how many contracts are in the pipeline. Yeah. Based, what they can sell for.
1: Yeah. Nope. Yep. And I and I got all that. Um yeah, man. I just my thing is well, it was the financing, but I think if I can get these deferred down payments, because either I'm gonna have enough to do the down payment or I'm not, or I'm gonna have to put some of my own money in.
0: Hmm.
1: But all I would have wasted is really, to be honest, is some time. It didn't work out. I had one just passed. There was a roller skate company I was supposed to buy, and I could come up with the 750 I wasn't out any money. I just move on to the next. The guy was disappointed because he probably spit the money in his head and you know what i mean he thought i could pull it off and i gave the 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 uh, image that i could pull it off but i couldn't find any any lending lenders to back it so you know i chalk it up to that's life no harm no foul
0: but what about your expenses are you working with an attorney or cpa or anything like that
1: yeah yeah but that's all part of a, a legal group i'm part of that's that's nominal they'll review my contracts they'll review the, um, my um, financial statements the um uh, what's that thing I think I'll due diligence so all of that's kind of a, a set cost because I'm part of a group so I can do I can do a hundred of these a month and it I, it wouldn't I wouldn't feel a pinch sorry because I, I
0: I'm not sure what you mean can you explain that? Okay,
1: you, you were basically asking what about my costs yeah. for, to, to, for the due diligence, right? Because each time I have do these deals, somebody has to verify the numbers and make sure, you know, the legal due diligence and the financial due diligence. I'm saying I'm part of an entrepreneur's group where if I submit five deals a month or a week, it's not costing me anymore. They're going to do the, the my legal and financial due diligence.
0: So you're, you're you're part of a group where they have like accountants and attorneys on staff that do all this work for you? They do this part of this group, I'm right. Yeah. So if we all pay $500 a month
1: and then there's 10 of us, that's five grand a month. And they know everybody's not going to submit 100 deals a month.
0: Okay.
1: I think the average person submits two deals a month and I submit two deals a week.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you're getting be, good value out of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause they let me know, okay, well, kind of like what you said, this, the debt to income was not what it should be, or why did sales dip this much in this month? Ask the seller this, you know, they get back to me and then I'd say, and ask this, these questions to the seller. And if they give me the green light, like, okay, well, you know, everything checks out the due diligence. We check the corporation uh papers. They do own the business. It is theirs. We checked, you know, they're up-to-date licensing, there are no pending lawsuits that we can see, you know, they do the legal due diligence and I get all of that.
0: All right. Well, let me know how it goes. Okay. If, if you're <laughs> able to close this, I want to have you back on.
1: Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And you definitely gave me some stuff to think about, which is why I signed up for the call and I saw what you were charging. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm jumping on this. Ask this guy, he's pick his brain for 75 bucks.
0: hey but it's a treat for it's a treat for everyone because everyone's gonna get to enjoy it and learn from it too
1: okay yeah thanks a lot david
0: all right have a good day robert You you too man all right bye